Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Force. Join us now for a service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Well, today I want to talk about what God thinks about the family. And I'm, and I'm starting it by, uh, by, with, with the phrase, God wants His garden back. And this came uh, as a result. I was working out the other day. I was listening, actually listening to another minister uh, minister when I was working out. I was listening to another guy, and he was preaching, and, and he just said this phrase and just kept going, and that thing just popped at me, and I thought, you know, that's, that, that's really what it, what it all boils down to, isn't it? I mean, God created man for fellowship, for connection, for worship, and He put man in this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful garden, a place where He would never have want or need of anything. Sin wrecked that. We'll talk about it in a few minutes. Sin kind of wrecked that. It didn't kind of, it did. It wrecked that. And then God had to establish a redemptive plan which would then later make it possible for us to come back into relationship with God. The family was God's idea of perfection. The family was God's idea of something that would create a reproducible race of people that God could continually have fellowship and God could continually receive worship from. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus and we thank you for your help today. We thank you for your encouragement. I pray God that you would help me as I endeavor to minister this message today. Touch the ears of the hearers to hear, their hearts to receive. May the Holy Spirit help me and teach through me and preach through me today. And Father, for that we give you the praise and we give you the honor and we give you the glory and everybody said Amen. 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 So God wants His garden back. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. We'll begin here in Genesis chapter 2. And uh, we'll start in verse number 4. And this is the longest passage that we're actually going to read today. But Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse number 4. And the Bible said, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now look in verse number 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The the name of of the first is Pison, that is, which compasseth the whole land of Havaliah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. There is Delium and the Oink Stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon. The same, Gihon or Gibon, I don't know. My eyes are playing tricks on me today. The same is, is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hedekel. <laughs> that is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that you eat thereof you will surely die. And the Lord God said, 
It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. And all the men said, yeah. <laughs> and out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field. I always, that always cracked me up. God started talking about how that man needed a helpmate. And we're thinking, okay, he's going to go ahead and make a woman. But the first thing God starts talking about is a beast. I mean... See, sometimes a creative mind is more, it's not that much of a blessing. Okay. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmate for him. See, God was setting things up. He had to get everything perfect before he made the woman. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam because Adam would not have agreed to it if he didn't. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So I want you to see this picture here for just a few moments before we really get into this. I want you to see this picture. God said, I want to create a man, but i got to create a place for him. So he creates this garden. And the Bible said that even the trees were pleasant to look upon. The fruit was pleasant to the eye. And it was good. And so then God comes to Adam and He says, well, I see you don't have a helpmate, but He continues creation. He continues bringing things to, to Adam and Adam begins to name these things. And then the Bible said God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And He took a rib from him. Now, I read it to you in the Scripture. He took a rib from him and He made a woman. And now, here's the, here's the key that I want you to see here, okay? The Bible said God brought her and presented her to Adam. So Adam wakes up. He's got a little pain in his side. He wakes up. He sets up. He's been naming all kinds of things. He thinks he's done. He's tired. He gets up. And all of a sudden, walking through the mist, comes the most perfect specimen of what am I going to call her? It took his breath away. He said, whoa, man. And that's where women got their name. <laughs> the Bible says that God presented her to Adam. I want every wife in this place to hear me well. You are God's gift to your husband. Punch him and say, You better listen. Graham's up here and she's like, man, he's not here. <laughs> Could have hit him on the front row and he's not even here. Now listen to me, every single man, I want you to listen to me very, very carefully, okay? 
You treat her like a gift and she'll keep being a gift for you. So you treat her like a gift. That doesn't mean kiss her feet unless she wants you to. No, you've got to take care of her. You've got to take care of her like she's a gift. And so we go on here and the Bible says uh, that he said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then the Bible says here, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Listen, I love my mama more than words can ever say, but she's not my wife. Okay? I'm going to preach some, I'm gonna preach some tough things. In, in this series, she's not my wife. I love her dearly, but she's not my wife. The person that I'm supposed to be closer to than my mother, my own mother, is my wife. Some people say, well, I had, my, I had that child before you got married. Yeah, but you gave him away. You gave him away. And guess what? They have to live with the person you gave them to about three times as long as it took to raise them. Hello. Okay, I'm really going to get in trouble in this series, I can tell. So we're going to talk about how that God wants His garden back. What God wants back is He wants fellowship. What God wants back is He wants uh, intimacy. What God wants back is He wants a, 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 a beautiful place of worship where He can put His creation and He can provide for them and He can take care of them and, and they can feel His presence and he can, and, and, and he can feel them. And So we go on. So let's talk about God's structure for the home. God's structure for the home. Now this is what God created, okay? The head is the husband, it's the father. God has a structure, a divine order for the family. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 19 says this. It says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Love your wives and be not bitter against them. And I thought this was a great slide. Nothing says home like the arms of my husband. How many, how many wives can say that's true? That's true. You know, I'm, like I said, this is a family thing, so there's going to be some TMI stuff in this series, okay? Just like five or six years ago we did a series similar to this and there was a lot of things that I got in trouble with on that series and I'm probably going to do it again. But you know what my wife, she'll, she'll lay down at night, she'll put her head on my shoulder... We'll be there in the bed. She'll put her head on my shoulder and she'll just snuggle in and she'll say, oh. And I hear this all the time. I'm in my favorite place. I'm in my favorite place. Nothing says home like the arms of the husband. God created us to be married. Now that doesn't mean if you're single that you're not being scriptural and doesn't mean that you're being unbiblical and things like that, but it's a natural tendency for a single person to want to be married. There's nothing wrong with you if you have a desire to be married. There's nothing wrong with you if you have a desire for someone to be a helpmate for you or to be a husband or to be a wife to you. It's perfectly natural for that to happen. So don't feel condemned and don't feel bad if you feel that way. God made the head of the home to be the husband and to be the father. And you'll notice I put husband, father, and later on you're going to see wife, mother, and there's a reason for that, and I'll deal with that later. The husband or the father's spiritual responsibilities is to be a promoter of the Word of God to his children. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7, the Bible teaches us that we have to take the stewardship responsibility as the father of our home to promote the Word of God to our children. We have to teach them 
teach it to them while they're upon their bed. We have to tell them stories. It's our responsibility to do that. This is where a lot of fathers fail because they think, well, the mom can do that. No, you are the priest of your home and it is your responsibility to step up and lead your family spiritually. Somebody shout amen. Amen. The only thing better than having you as my husband is our children having you as their daddy. Is that what your what your wife says about you, men? Let's think about this, okay? The second spiritual responsibility that a husband or a father has is to pray earnestly every single day for his children. The Bible said in Job chapter 1 and verse number 5 that Job would get up every single morning very early. He would make sacrifices and he would pray for every single one of his children earnestly. I'm not talking about bowing your head over your breakfast and saying, Lord, keep your hand upon my family today and God is good, God is great, I'm so hungry, I can't wait. In Jesus' name, amen. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about actually spending some quality time and calling your children by name before God and letting the devil know these kids belong to God and they belong to me and you can't cross this line. You take the spiritual responsibility that God has given you as a spiritual head of your home and you pray, or, well, what if my kids aren't with me? What if we're in a blended family? My kids are over with my divorced wife or whatever. You can still be their spiritual head. You can still pray over them. You can still cover them with prayer. And when you get the chance, you can be a promoter of the Word of God in their life. And then 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 8 teaches us that, they, that the spiritual man is supposed to to surrender his life and live a life that is totally and completely surrendered to God. Now, what is our temporal responsibilities? This is God's idea of the family. As the husband and the father, the head of the home, we are to be a good provider and we are supposed to work. We are supposed to work. Listen to me, young men. You're supposed to work. Yep, that means put your back into it. That means get yourself a job. That means break a sweat. That means become a provider. Quit being a deadbeat. Get yourself a job and go to work. I won't tell you what I tell my son. I'll tell you in PG form. I told him, I said, women cost money. You want a wife someday? Well, you get a job. Women cost money. No woman wants a deadbeat man. I don't know why she won't follow me. I don't know why in the world she won't be me. Let me be the head of my home because you're not leading. You want to preach this? That's right. So you've got to be a good provider and men, we have to work. We have a responsibility to work. And then temporal responsibility is that we are to teach our children through example, 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12, to study to be quiet. That means how to hold their tongue. You know, there's nothing worse than a, than a teenager or a young adult running her mouth all the time and knowing everything. We all laugh because we've all been there. Right? That's right. That's right, you know. 
I mean, there, there are times in my life, and, and our kids are just the same as everyone else's. I mean, they grow up in a... I mean, we've kind of protected them like that, and we just let people know our kids are going to be kids, and we're going to give them permission to be kids. And so, you know, Jeremiah's pretty much grown out of it, but a couple of years ago, I used to just tell the girls, just go ask Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Because every time you would open your mouth, they would ask you a question, Daddy a question. I would open my mouth, get three words out, and he would jump in to answer. And half the time he was wrong, but he always thought he was right. And so it got to the point where I would say, well, I don't know, go ask Mr. Wonderful and then come and talk to me. And we'll see. No, we got to teach them how to be quiet. We have to teach them how to hold their tongue. We have to teach them when to speak. We have to teach them to, when to be quiet. God gave us two ears and one mouth. That means we should listen twice as much as we talk. And then the Bible said in 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12 that we're to teach them how to mind their own business. We're not supposed to be up in everyone else's business. That's in the Bible. That's in, the, that's in your Bible. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, Your Bible says, Mind your own business. <laughs> Come on. The Bible teaches us that we're supposed to mind our own business. That means I'm not supposed to be up in your grill all the time. And you're not supposed to be up in mine all the time. What goes on is in your life is between you and those that are in your family and God. It's not what goes on. It's not, it, you know, it's not supposed to... That's why I hate social media. I use social media to promote. You'll see. My pages and the church's pages are for encouragement and instruction and promotion. We don't hang our dirty laundry out there. We don't put little things out there on social media like on Facebook or whatever that are kind of in code to see how many people we can get to like it because they don't really know what we're talking about but we're really baiting them trying to get them involved and before you know it you got people sitting there trying to encourage you on something they know absolutely nothing about. And it makes you feel so good because I got somebody on my side. No, you don't. They don't even know the story. They're saying, I'm with you, baby, because they're just like it. Mind your own business. Keep it off Facebook. Keep it off Twitter. Come on, don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. Keep it off social media. Encourage one another. Strengthen one another. Give information, but don't air your dirty laundry so everybody else can see it. I just don't know what to do. I'm just not going to... Hit your knees and pray. Call a prayer friend somewhere. Don't put it out there for the whole... Oh, Pastor, I don't know why people are treating me the way that they are. It's because you put it on Facebook for the whole entire world to see. That's why. That's why. Okay. And then the Bible says we're to teach them to work. And then look at this one. Walk honestly at tax time. I mean, walk honestly. <laughs> As a pastor, now just let me, let me be a little transparent here, okay? As a pastor, if I'm living in the parsonage, when it comes time to do my taxes, I have to report the fair market value of that home if I was renting it as income to the government and pay taxes on that. Do you know how many pastors I know that will put down that the fair market value of a home that would cost you 1200 bucks a month, oh no, it, it would cost me $200 a month or $300 a month. 
you better repent, you go to hell. <laughs> no, the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> I'm not going to miss heaven over something like that. No, 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 no. Walk honestly. The Bible says we're supposed to walk honestly. That means when somebody comes up to you and they ask you a question, I mean, you need to give them an honest answer. You might not need to tell them everything that they're asking, but whatever comes out of your mouth needs to be the truth. Somebody looked at me once and they said, "Uh, well, uh, it's... And they were in my family. And they made this statement to me. I love them very much too. They said... They said, it's not a lie, it's just good business. I said, it's a lie. Liar, liar, pants on fire. It's a lie. <laughs> Revelation 21.8 says, All liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is, which is the second death, and it's listed right there with witchcraft. A lie will put you into hell. The Bible says we are to walk honestly. We're supposed to walk Honestly. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 6, the Bible said that a husband and a father are supposed to provide guidance and discipline. Guidance and discipline. Oh my goodness, guidance is wonderful. Discipline's a different story. What is discipline? Now let me say something about this very carefully. I'm going to walk very carefully here, but you need to understand there is a difference between punishment and correction. You should never punish your child but it's okay to correct them. What is punishment? Punishment is they got on my nerves, so I'm going to bust their butt. That's punishment, okay? Correction always has an end goal. So in other words, if they've messed up, then what I need to do is I need to correct them. Sometimes that correction needs to be a little more forceful. In fact, the Bible says if we spare the rod, we'll spoil the child. That means if we... Do not paddle our children. Yes, I said it. If we do not paddle our children, then we can't expect them to not grow up to be brats. Well, what about the timeout corner? What about the time? You know, they tried timeout corners with me and it didn't work. I got whooped plenty. And I don't think I turned out too bad. But I'll tell you, if I didn't get whooped, good Lord, I would have been a hellion. All right. Walk a little slower, Daddy. Walk a little slower, said a little child so small. I'm following in your footsteps and I don't want to fall. Sometimes your steps are very fast and sometimes they're hard to see. So walk a little slower, Daddy, for you're leading me. Someday when I'm all grown up, you're what I want to be. Then I'll have a little child who'll want to follow me. And I would want to lead just right and know that I was true. So walk a little slower, Daddy, for I must follow you. Wow. There should be a balance between instruction and discipline. We should provide guidance and discipline. There should be a balance. (sighs) Jesus. We're going to talk about the wives and... Mothers, right now we're all just going to pray. Father, (laughs) this is Donna, our last trip to Jamaica. This is one of our pastor's daughters there. 
this is the little restaurant that they have. And I, as you can see, she is totally in love with Mama D already. And that's because she knows Mama D will spoil her like crazy. A, a wife is made by God to be the helpmate. To be the helpmate. That's what the Bible said right there in Genesis. I read it to you. In Genesis, the Bible said, God said it's not good for a man to be alone, so I will make an helpmate for him. So she was made by God to be the helpmate. Now, this section of what I'm getting ready to teach you is straight out of the Bible, but I am going to let you know right now it is not politically correct. Okay? Everything I'm going to teach you is from the Word of God. The Bible said that a wife is supposed to be the helpmate, not the other way around. Not the other way around. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.22, He who finds a true wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. There are times that my wife reminds me that I have God's favor because of her. Yeah. See, she knows how to work it. She knows how my mind thinks. After 26 years of marriage, she knows how my mind thinks. And so, so she lets me know, you know, I mean, you know, you have God's favor because... <laughs> You married me. Okay. <laughs> he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I can say that my life changed dramatically when I got married. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> Proverbs 19 and 14 says this, House and riches are the inheritance from fathers, but a wise, understanding, and prudent wife is from the Lord. So she comes from the Lord, and we get favor from the Lord. She was created by God for us as a gift from God to us to be our helpmate. And if we don't receive her and treat her right, the favor goes away and the blessing goes away. The father's relationship with the wife, the husband's relationship with the wife, is such that we should gross our kids out. Look, the best thing you can do for your kids when they're growing up is gross them out. I want you to look at this. It's the marriage first and foremost that makes the family strong. Look at these kids. Daddy is kissing on mama and look at the kids. They're like, ooh. I mean, uh, you know, the little girl, she's like, I don't want to see. And the, and the boys are like, I ain't even going to look. But you notice the girls, they're trying to sneak a peek. Look, the mama's holding the daddy. I'll kiss you, but don't go too far. The kids are watching. Like that. And the daddy is just engrossed. He's like, I don't care. You know, gross them out. Many marriages don't make it today because the parents put their children before each other. Woo, don't shout me down while I'm preaching good now. Well, you know our kids have to come first. That's not biblical. That's, I told you this part of the message is politically incorrect. That's not biblical. You've got to take care of each other. If you want to have your family healthy, you need to keep God's divine order, and this means keeping each other strong and taking care of one another. It amazes me there are so many families that have so much trouble, and the reason they have so much trouble is because as soon as the little CEO is born, all of a sudden... The husband doesn't matter anymore and the wife doesn't matter anymore and everybody just gets lost in that kid. Well, what got that kid here to begin with? 
It was the relationship that you had. It was the love that you had for one another. It was the connection that you guys had. What makes you think that you can keep that relationship going if you don't put time into each other like you did that produced that child? And there's so many people, there's so many people today, they're like, I just don't know what happened. I'll tell you what happened. You let your kids take over your life. said you let your kids take over your life. <laughs> Shoot. Shoot. And you know what? Kids don't like it when pastors preach like this. You know why? <laughs> because they're working together. They have a conspiracy going <laughs> Oh, you don't think so? Well, I'll just go ask Mama. And if Mama don't say yes, I'll just go ask Mama. I'll just go ask Papa. And before long, they can just go right down, and before long, they have what they want. What would happen if we started walking together in unity? What would happen if we all got on the same page? What would happen if when Mama said no, that the kids knew that Daddy was going to back that up? What would happen if daddy said no, that the kids knew that mama was going to back that up? Oh, here we go. Here we go. You ready? What would happen if mama and daddy says no, and the kids knew that mama and papa was going to back that up? I love you, but I'm going to tell it straight. You don't have any right to complain about your kids if you're raising them like brats. Full brats. You got to focus on each other. You got to keep each other strong. You got to quit putting your kids in front of one another. You got to focus on each other. And when your children see you, and you know something? Some of you grandparents, some of you grandparents can help with this. Take the kids overnight. Well, you don't know what they do to me. Do I know? Oh, yeah, I do. I mean, my goodness, my kids are all grown up now and they still all live at home. I know what they can do. (laughs) I'll pay for that later. The wife and mother's spiritual responsibilities, Genesis 22, 20 through 22, is to be a helpmate for her husband. That's your spiritual responsibility. To be a spiritual example for your children. Look, a Susie Q, Q bird. <laughs> 2 Timothy 1.5. Be a mentor. Titus 2, 3 through 5. This is the scripture where the Bible says, the spirit that was in you was in, was in your grandmother Lois and, and your mother Eunice, and I see that spirit in you also. So that's being a mentor. Say, Okay? My politically incorrect statement for the day is this. Genesis 3.16 tells us that the man is supposed to be the ruler of the home. This is not an appropriate place for a man to say amen. I don't know who said that, but my guess is you're probably not married.
See, this is this is what's problem with this is what's the problem with a lot of Christian homes. I'm gonna say it like it is. The father is either too arrogant or doesn't have the guts to stand up and lead. And as the priest of your home, it is your responsibility as the man to take your family to church. It is your responsibility to read the Word of God to them. It is your responsibility to pray over them. It is your, well, I just work too much. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? It doesn't take any time at all, even when they're asleep, to walk in there and lay your hand on them and pray over your child. So maybe they're asleep when you get home from work. Still walk in there and put your hand. There are, I, there are countless times, I can't count the times, when, I was, when, when our kids were growing up that I would go and sit down on the edge of the bed and they would be just sawing logs. I mean, they would be, you know, I mean, sleeping good. And I would just reach over and put my hand lightly on them and I would pray silently and quietly because I didn't want to wake them up, but I would pray for my kids. I pray for my kids. We need to do that. The Bible says that the man is supposed to be the ruler of the home. If we're supposed to be the ruler of the home, then let's take our place. Now, let's look at this. Ephesians 5.33 teaches us that we're supposed to love our wives as ourselves and that the wife is supposed to reverence her husband. So the fact that you are the leader of your home or the ruler of your home doesn't mean that you're the dictator of your home. It means that you are the leader of your home. You're the leader of your home. And, I mean, some people are like, well, my husband, you know, he's not my husband anymore, and he wasn't that way. Well, I wished he would have been. I wish there would have been a preacher that would have had guts to stand up and preach to him. This is what he needed to hear. This is what he needed to hear. We're so afraid of losing people. We're so afraid of, well, if I preach the truth, you know, the church will empty out and stuff like that. No, it won't. It'll grow. Look. Okay. I've never met a good woman who didn't want to follow the lead of a good man. That's a powerful statement right there. I've never met a good woman who didn't want to follow the lead of a good man. I've had wives tell me I would follow if he would lead. When it comes to the spiritual responsibility of your family, men, you need to lead. You need to lead. Okay? The children, God love their hearts. The biblical view of children is found in Psalms chapter 127, verses 3 through 5. And you can read that later, okay? Children are heaven's blessing, and the Bible says that they are an heritage of the Lord. That means they are our inheritance. They are our blessing from heaven. Children are supposed to complete your life, not take over your life. I said, children are supposed to complete your life, not take over, over your life. And children need you to be their parent. I could say so much about this. They don't need you to be their buddy. They need you to be their parent. Listen to me very closely. They can get buddies a dime a dozen, but only you are their parent. They need you to be something so unique for them that nothing else will fit the bill. There might be other people, you know, there might be other people come into their life and, oh, you can call me dad or you can call me mom or something like that. You know what? I've never let people do that with my kids. You know why? Because I'm daddy and I ain't giving that spot up. 
In fact, there was a period of time about 15 or 16 years ago, Donna and I, just like a lot of you guys, were having problems in our marriage. And we were apart for a while. And there was this Yehu that thought he was going to come in there and start trying to be daddy. And I headed to his house with ball bat. First of all, you never have been and you never will be their dad. Even if this doesn't work out, I'm still dad. And ain't nobody filling that slot, so back up, Jack. Then I went home and hung my ordination back on the wall. Okay. Children are supposed to honor your parents. The Bible says you're to honor your parents. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. And you know something? There is no age limit for that. I mean, if you're 50 and your parent is 70, you're still supposed to honor them. You honor your parents as long as they live. And the Bible said if they curse mother and father, then they'll die the death. Children learn how to work and earn their way from their parents and other wise adults. This is Jeremiah... And uh, Donna and I at at an event we were at here not too long ago. Children learn from their parents. Nikki looked at that picture right before church. She said, ha ha, Dad, you're not teaching me in that picture. I'm teaching you. I said, well, it'll work. (laughs) She's showing showing me something on the laptop several years ago. See, you can tell the hair is not quite gray like it was. But beginning in Genesis 24, Isaac learned to care for Abraham's flocks. Jacob and Esau hunted and cared for the flocks of Isaac and Laban. And Joseph's ten brothers cared for their father's flocks. In Mark chapter 6 and verse number 3, Jesus learned carpentry from his earthly father Joseph. Acts chapter 18 and verse number 3, the Bible said that Paul was a tent maker. He had to learn that from somewhere. Where did he learn that from? From mom and dad. From mom and dad. Your kids... Learn from you. That means you have to invest in them. That means you have to spend time with them. I'm going to ask these guys to come up here and help me. I need Tim to help me. I need Jeff to help me. I need uh, Jeremiah. And I need uh, Josh. Here, I want, to, I want to... Let's. Doc, can we move this out of the way? I want to give this example to you real close or, or real quickly here. Now, when we hook up wrong, when we hook up wrong, things don't work. This is why it's important. How many of you believe that God has a husband for you? Ah, look at these. Uh, this is wonderful. This is great. How many believe that God has a wife for you? How come you all can't get together? Oh, no, no. <laughs> all right. Here's what I need. I need, I need, one, uh, I need one buck of scaffold. Give me, yeah, give, me, give me the small scaffold. Here, give me this. I want to make an, I make a, uh, an example here. You guys, oh man. All right, now look. This is like building a family. Putting a scaffold together like this is like building a family. Say we're going to build a family. Come on. All right. Now here's what we need to do. We need to take, yeah, we need to take one of those and just put it like right here. Put it down here. Okay? There we go. You You guys are amazing. Okay, give me another one of those. Yeah, that's right. Come on, Josh. Big muscle man. Come on up here. Come on. Turn it around. Turn it around. There we go, just like that. There we go, hold it like that. All right, now, hang on, hang on, hang on, just hang on, okay. Make sure you put it on the right, put it at the right location, okay? Down, just a little bit. There we go, okay. Now, 
This is God helping build the building blocks of a family. Now, this is what happens when you say, you know, you're praying and you're saying, Lord, I want this, I want that, no, 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 no. And maybe that's not what God wants you. So here's, well, here's what you need right here. Can you get that for me? Just hold it out. Just hold that. Just pull it out. Okay, just, just kind of hold that up right now. Just kind of hold it up, all right? This is what you need. But this is what you want. So bring it over here. Okay, God, this is what I want, so we're going to make this work. No, you're not. It don't matter. You can get as much duct tape that's in the world. It's not going to work. You know why? Because this scaffold buck, we call it a buck in Kentucky, this scaffold buck was not created for this scaffolding system. There's a lot of people today they're trying to hook up with the wrong person to create God's idea of a family, and when it doesn't work, they want to blame God. Hallelujah. Look what happens. Here's what we say. Okay, God, I'm going to surrender to you. Just move this out of the way. I'm going to surrender to you and let you put in my life who you want in my life. Just bring that over here. Look at this. Look how this works. Look how beautiful that is. All right. Hey, you got to pull that. There we go. Drop it down one. Oh, did it did it go down too far? Yep. Did I do that? Okay. Now you see that? Is that locked in? Yeah, go ahead. Let's let's pull these over here kind of in the middle and lock these. Lock these. Yeah, there we go. It's locked. Okay. They're trying to take care of me so I don't fall off this thing. All right, now, I want you to look at this. Look at look at it worked. It worked. Why did it work? Because the right pieces are there. Now, listen to me very, very closely. God has someone especially designed for your life that will fit like a glove. Why are you out looking for that when this is what will fit? Now let me now let's get that let's get the the pickboard over there. Bring the pickboard over here. All right. Let's put this pickboard up. All right. <laughs> We're good. Watch. Don't don't hurt don't hurt Tim there. Kim will have to fix him. All right. He's okay with that. He said. All right. Look what happens. Okay. You're walking along down here. You're go ahead and move out of the way. You're walking along down here and you're praying. You're saying, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would. And I'm, I'm to the single people now. Father, I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus that you'll just send me the right wife. God, that you'll send me the right woman. Lord, I'm just praying. Lord, you know I'm getting older. You know, Lord, you know I'm 28 years old now. God, I'm 28 years old. And God, would you please, please, Lord, oh God, I'm tired of being single, Lord. I'm tired. And I'm sure, you know, look at these muscles and, you know, this nice haircut. I... <laughs> I'm sure that he had plenty of opportunities. And then all of a sudden, here comes Ashley. Oh, my Lord. Guess what's going to happen in September? There's going to be a hookup. They're going to get married. And when they were both walking along down here, now they can go up just a little bit higher. Okay. This is what happens when we let God get involved in the process. I know that wasn't there the last time we did that, was it? I hope I don't bump my head. 
This is what happens when we let God get involved in the process. I want you to notice something here, okay? I didn't build the scaffold by myself. There's other people here, right? They're involved. They're helping me, right? Then how come we keep trying to live by ourselves? How come we think that God created us and bless God, I've got all of the answers and so I'm just going to do everything that I want to do and you know something, I don't need anybody. Yes, you do. You need a lot of people in your life. Okay, give me another one of those bucks. Here's what happens. You're working along here and you're praying, Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you, Lord. This is a level that I never expected to be on. And God, I just thank you, Lord, that you have increased me and you've helped me and you've helped me grow. And Lord, I thank you for that. And then all of a sudden God says, well, I'm going to take you just a little bit higher. I want you to go up there just a little bit higher. And so he starts adding children. See how unstable? Children. Look <laughs> the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Keeps adding children. So you're never going to forget this message. Why do you do this, Pastor? For your tape? No, because I don't want you to forget it. Okay, so here we go. Here we go. So, oh, Lord. Instead of one, have two. Double the trouble. Double the fun. Have two. Instead of one. Okay, Lord. That's what we did. Yeah. And so now, but look, it's still kind of unstable. Now, here we are. We're standing here. We're father. We're mother. Come on, Donna. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Ooh, Mama D! Woo! Hang on. Let's pull this out of here. Yeah, I gotta undo this on the other side. All right. All right. Now, upset. There we go. All right. Up or down? Okay, there we go. All right, and we'll just pop this in here from that side. All right, now, Mama D and I are, we're sitting here and we're, you know, and go, get up here with me. Come on. <laughs> and she's standing there and I'm just working real hard and she's making sure that I'm taken care of and making sure, you know, because that's what a good wife does. She's a good, she's a helpmate. <laughs> okay, come on. Come on, come on. Let's get this next one here. Okay, so we're going on, we're going on. Now, why are you putting these up here, Pastor? Because they represent... See, our kids, they were born, but they were unstable, so I had to start teaching them things. We had to start teaching them the Word. We had to start praying for them. We started, had to start being a good example and a good role model in front... Up, up, okay, and a good role model in front of them. Uh, what are you doing up here? This is my wife. Gotta go down one, yeah. Pull this down, pull this down. There we go. Are we good? Have we, have we locked in? There we go, we're locked in. Okay, so here we are. We got the kids, and now we got them stable because we've been taking them to church, and we've been praying over them, and we've been teaching them. And you're, I mean, you notice Jeremiah. I mean, he knew how to put the scaffold together. How do you think he knew how to put it together? Because he's helped his daddy, that's why. So he knew how to put it together. And so here we are, and we're just worshiping God, and we're praising God, and we're having a great time. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're like, Lord, this is wonderful, and this is great. And God says, I want to take you to a different level. And we're saying, okay. And so here comes the next level. She's, she's done this before. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So the Lord puts this here and puts the new level and, you know, all right. <laughs> wow, that fam building that family was work. 
Good God Almighty. Look, I'm gray-headed now, and i got a hole in my pants. You know, I mean, just look at you. You've got such beautiful toes. <laughs> God wanted to take us to a different level, and so we did that. Here's the problem. We don't fit on this level anymore. So we got to take a risk and go a little higher. You go that way, and I'll go this way. Don't let my baby doll fall, guys. So we swing out here like this, and we're going up a little higher. And all of a sudden, we're saying, oh, this is scary. Oh, Lord. And we come back down here, and we say, but I don't fit down there anymore. I got to go just... Uh, 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 hang on, guys. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, you stay right there. I don't want you to get hurt. Oh, so you make me up here? No, no, I want you to stay right there because okay. it's kind of dangerous to come around here. I don't want you to get hurt. <laughs> this is just an illustration. <laughs> so now, because I surrendered to God's way and I surrendered to God's will and I surrendered to God's process and I did things right, I got hooked up with the right person. Okay? TMI. I was engaged once before we got married. She was engaged three times before <laughs> we got married. When she came to my revival that I was preaching, she showed up with her fiancé on a Tuesday night, and by Friday night, he was history, and I was her destiny. <laughs> Hallelujah! You okay? Okay. All right. <laughs> now, because we did things right, we went higher than we ever thought we could go. We can see farther than we ever thought we could see. And we can reach the top. Reach the top. This is the importance of getting hooked up right. This is the importance of getting connected right. I could not stand right here, way up here, and touch the ceiling and be this high with that piece of scaffold over there. It wouldn't have worked. How come? Because it wasn't designed for this baker's scaffold. That's a different kind of scaffold. If you're single, I want you to think real hard and real long about the kind of person that you feel like God wants in your life. And I also want you to think really hard and really long about becoming the kind of person that God wants to take you and put in someone else's life. Because you know something? They might be great people. They might be wonderful. They might be powerful. They might sing good. They might look good. And it might be fun being around them. But they might not be your help me. 
And just because you're dating someone doesn't mean you have to marry them. Hear me? Dating is the prerequisite to marriage. Dating is temporary. Marriage is supposed to be for life. Have you thought about that? Okay. Has this helped you understand God's structure for a family? Has everyone got it? Good, because I really want to get down. Okay. Okay. All right. Later on today, my legs are sore. You made me climb that scaffold today. Hold on to this side of the scaffold because when I come around, you know, there's 200 and some pounds that'll come that direction. All right. Here we go. Let's all stand. Come on. Just leave it. That's fine. All right. Hallelujah. Where's my PowerPoint? If we're hooked up wrong, life doesn't work. Even if, whoops, even if we fight to make it work. Okay? We can't put the pickboard on before the bucks are connected. We have to do first things first. You say, well, how do I do that? Instead of being so consumed, listen to me, single people, instead of being so consumed with God send me somebody, God send me somebody, focus your attention on becoming who God wants you to become. And when that process has been perfected in you and in who you're believing for, then God will connect you. God takes us to different levels when we surrender to His divine order and process. The family is a divine order. It's a divine process. We must first be established where we are before we can go higher. See? We got established right there. This was built. It was wonderful. It was great. We had people around us helping us, supporting us, strengthening us. We were established. We were able to go higher. And someday, you and I will reach higher and see farther than we ever thought. But it begins today with our foundation. It begins today with our foundation. Come on. We need each other, don't we? This message is not just for married people who have children. It's for single people, and it's also for single people who have children also. I believe in divine hookups. So you say to me, you say to me, Pastor, my marriage didn't work out. Okay. That hurt, didn't it? That hurt. And God knows that pain. And what you got to do is get yourself whole and then pray and ask God to give you the right person. But you got to heal first. So you don't carry that baggage into your new relationship. Because God wants you to look like this. How many is going to say, Pastor, I'm going to let the Lord heal me today? Come on, get your hands up. I'm going to let the Lord heal me today. There's times when life's been rough. There's times when it's been hard. It's not always been easy. But I'm willing to release the past so I can embrace the future. I'm willing to let God get involved in my life 
to build, to shape, to mold, to surround me with a support system. So this time it can be done right. Come on, just keep your hands up. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, you see every single hand that is up right now. And Father, I realize that this message today has struck home with a lot of people. Lord, I see it on their faces all through this message. Lord, I know it's, it's, been, it's been fun and it's been rough at times, but Lord, I've seen people crying almost from the very beginning of this message. God, I know there are hurting people out here. I know there's hurting families. I know there's hurting people. I pray, Lord, that you would reach down into this congregation right now and begin to mold and begin to mend and begin to make. I pray that healing would take place, Lord. Healing would take place from the front of this sanctuary to the back and all around. God, I pray, Lord, for every single, single person that is here today. God, that is believing you, God, for a good, godly family, a good, godly spouse. Heavenly Father, I'm asking you, God, to work on them, God. And we're praying blessing upon the one that will eventually be their spouse. And we pray for them right now in the name of Jesus. We're asking you, Heavenly Father, to perfect your work there and bring them together. Lord, I pray for every family that is represented here today. Every husband and every wife who's having trouble or have ha- has had trouble. Lord, we know that marriage is not easy sailing at times, that it has its ups and its downs, and sometimes everything gets all turned around and all twisted up. And Father, I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, how well I know that feeling, and I'm praying, God, for a healing. I'm praying for restoration, God. Let the anointing for restoration. Come on, church, pray with me. Let the anointing for restoration come over this congregation right now in the name of Jesus. Every broken husband, every broken wife, every broken relationship. Father, what God has joined together, let not a man or a circumstance or anything else tear apart. Father, we surrender ourselves to you. You are the potter and we are the clay. Mold us and make us so that we can be in your way. We give you praise. Lord, we give you honor. And Lord, I pray for every child who's trying to find their way today. Those that are trying to make the transition from childhood to adulthood. Father, I pray that you would guide them, that you would correct, that you would correct and direct them. I pray that they, their hearts would be open and their spirits would be open, God to be able to see the direction they need to go. May their hearts be open to good, godly, wise counsel. God, I give you praise for that. I give you praise for that. Now, those of you that had your hands up, I just want you to just put them back up in the air and I want you just to begin to pray to the Lord and just say, Lord, heal me. Come on, tell Him, Lord, heal me. Come on, Lord, heal me right now. Those of you that are standing with someone that's got their hands up in the air, just reach over and touch them and pray for them right now. Come on, some of you guys, your family is fine and it's wonderful and it's great, but there are people that's got their hands in the air. And just reach up and touch them. Pray for one another. Minister to one another. Just say, Lord, heal them. Heal them, Lord. In Jesus' name, touch them where they hurt. We pray. Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669, or you may call us at 727 
856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.